All right, welcome to the uh, Hurricane Matthew Chapel 2016, <laughs> I guess we'll call this one. You probably heard I'm preaching four times in the next few weeks. You thought, I just thought Dr. Miller had more sense than that, but uh, we'll leave this to God. All right, got some stuff I want to share with you. Uh, some of you, unfortunately, will already know this because you've discovered this through experience, but, but, but here goes. Ready? If you don't know where you're going, you'll surely get there. <laughs> now, let me rephrase that. In ministry, if you don't know where you're going, you'll surely get there. Ministry, whether inside or outside the local church, is messy business. Let me rephrase that. Just get it right the first time, right, Miller? Okay. Ministry, whether inside or outside the local church, involves people. And people are messy. Ministry, whether inside or outside the local church, it really involves all of life. And life is messy. We could say ministry involves the weather, and we all know it's about to get really messy too, isn't it? Ministry, whether inside or outside the local church, is messy business. And if you don't know where you're going, sooner or later that messiness will make sure you get there. Now, this series is about setting direction in ministry. Uh, knowing where we're going and how to get where we're going so that by God's goodness and mercy and certainly God's good humor... We get there. And it'll take a good bit of God's good humor probably to get us there, but God is faithful and we'll see it happen. The premise of this series is that the life and ministry of Jesus Christ provides us with a, not just a divinely ordained direction to head, but also instructions for how to get there. That Jesus walked this out and there's so much there for us to learn about where we should be heading. What's this direction we find her in? So we know where we're going and how do we get from here to there? We're going to follow Jesus through the Gospel of Mark. In particular, we're going to look at how Jesus works with this crazy, very messy group of people known as the disciples. And see how does Jesus model for us a direction for ministry and a process for getting there. Where is Jesus headed? How does He get there? And what does all this has to say for us who are trying to discern where to go because we'll surely get there? Now, let's back up from what we've done mostly last month here at the Gospel of Mark. We looked through the first 15 verses. And we spent time, we came back to that and come back. But just a few things I want to highlight for this. Jesus starts out, or Jesus, Mark starts out this gospel, this grand announcement. Beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Son of God, just as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. Now, unfortunately, we get verses in our Bible and those things get separated. This is all part of one thing. When Mark talks about the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, he's saying, just like Isaiah talked about, that's the stuff I'm going to tell you. In other words, long ago, centuries ago, the things that Isaiah saw coming has taken place. I'm about to tell you how that happened. Well, what was that stuff? Isaiah lived in a time when 
the northern kingdom uh, of Israel had been conquered, and then the southern kingdom of Judah had been conquered. The temple in Jerusalem, the place that God had promised His presence, had been razed to the ground. The Babylonians were running around with bumper stickers on their chariots saying, Our God Marduk's bigger than your God Yahweh. Ha! It's kind of like, you know, my child beat up your child at something, something elementary school or whatever, sort of thing like this. But they're bragging, where's your God in all of this? And in the ancient world, if your army defeated my army, that said your gods are more powerful than mine. Well, had God not been faithful or willing to keep his promises to Israel? Was Marduk, who had we been told wasn't even a god, actually really the one true God? That's what the Babylonians are tweeting. So what's going on? Now Isaiah comes in at this point along with the other prophets. And he says, no, this is not what happened. It's that God had entered a covenant with us. And we have repeatedly, over and over and over again, proved unfaithful to the covenant. But God himself has said, no, I will be faithful. And the conditions of the covenant are, if you don't keep the covenant, I will. And if you break the covenant, the covenant curses will come upon you. And that's what's happened. But sin and punishment don't get the final word. God is still faithful. And through Isaiah especially, and through many others, beginning in Isaiah 40, which is the text that Mark quotes here at the beginning of this gospel. Isaiah spoke of a time in the future when God will demonstrate His faithfulness to the covenant with them and the promises He's made for these people with His great love and His abiding, if I can come back to what I said earlier, Probably his abiding sense of humor with these people too. And he says, a time is coming when I will deliver and I will rescue you. Just like in the Exodus, I'm going to bring you out, I'm going to deliver you, I'm going to bring you through the, the wilderness, and I'm going to bring you back to the promised land. And I will give you a king like David, the son of God mentioned in Mark 1.1, who will be faithful to me, who will lead, who will, who will bring justice, not just for Israel, but for the nations. I'm going to start a process that's going to change and redeem the world. And Mark comes out right from the, the gun, right out the gate, and says, this is what's going to happen. And so we have this one, just as Isaiah said, we have one who comes before to prepare the way for the Lord. John the Baptist, or I like to call him JB, comes on out ahead here. All these things we find, there's like 11 allusions the second half of Isaiah in these first 13 verses of the gospel. That's what Mark wants to tell us is happening. So you get to verses 14 and 15, and after this temptation in the wilderness, and so on and so on, all these things. And we have this dramatic appearance of Jesus to begin His ministry, and a summary of His message. After John was handed over, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God. That word gospel, you and comes from Isaiah. How beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces God's reign. We've sung this. Our God reigns. Okay. That's all this stuff that's happened. And here comes Jesus bringing all this stuff about. And he says then, time is fulfilled, or I can't remember how we read it earlier. It's time. I think that was the way it came out earlier. It's time. This reign of God, our God reigning, the time has now come, it's drawn near. Repent and believe the gospel. 
And you've heard all of this drama. We've been set up for all this stuff by what's, you know, by what's we've recognized is coming from Isaiah. Now here comes Jesus in this dramatic fashion, entering into Galilee and proclaiming this message. I mean, it's such a dramatic scene. It's almost as if you can hear in the background this, this music accompanying Jesus' arrival. top that. I mean, I've, I've thought about this and you almost hear like the Rocky theme, you know, as he comes in, the trumpets blasting and so on. But you expect all this drama because God has now begun the process of changing the world. Now, we're to verse 16 and the, the ball has started rolling down the hill. And what happens when God begins to change the world? All of a sudden, we're expecting a scene out of the book of Revelation. We're just walking along the Sea of Galilee. Floridians know about this stuff. Waves on the beach, sounds of birds in the air, smell of the water, maybe not be salt water, but you know the smell of just being around the lake. Didn't have gators, fortunately. And here we're expecting all this drama, and what do we get? Just this kind of pastoral scene of Jesus walking along the scene. Well, surely, I mean, he's going to go get the politicians and do something, right? At least get a movie star or something. But what happens, and how does Jesus begin? What are the first things that Jesus does? Because where you start is going to set you in the direction to determine where you're going to end up. What does Jesus do? He begins with people. Out the get-go, he doesn't send stormtroopers, as we heard from the music earlier. He begins by choosing people. And look at this. A few average, ordinary, everyday Galileans. Just some people out trying to feed their family by casting nets out into the sea. And Jesus says, follow me, guys, and they follow him. And then we get a repetition of this with two more fishermen. Let me make a few observations about how Jesus goes about the process, begins the process of changing everything, because the steps that Jesus takes here in the beginning of Mark's gospel have led to us all sitting together in this room. These were very fruitful steps. When Jesus sat on the road to change the world, we're the fruit of that. Now, notice that Jesus himself takes initiative. He begins with people, but he doesn't wait to say, you know, set up an autograph booth or a sign outside and say, anybody wants to, you know, come fish for, you know, people, here you are. Doesn't do TV commercials. Jesus himself takes the initiative. He begins to set off in the direction that's needed to change the world. If we're talking about a direction Jesus headed, and we want to talk about how Jesus does it, he begins with the focus on people. He doesn't wait for it to happen. He takes the initiative. Now, secondly, note here that when he takes this initiative, it involves him. He doesn't say, sign up for my 15-week trading course. And just leave the credit card for information here. 
He says, follow after me. That the focal point for the destination and where we're going to walk all the way along here is going to concern Jesus Christ and following him. Now, notice also here that Jesus makes a promise. Follow after me. That's their responsibility, Simon and Andrew. And he says, and I will do something in return. I will make you fishers of men and women. It's God's responsibility to get us there. But that implies there's going to be some process involved here. It isn't like I'm going to you know, snap my fingers and this is going to happen. You're not somebody that can fish for people right now. I'm going to make you into that. That tells us there's a process involved, and there's time involved, and there's work involved, and there's prayer involved with some very messy people. And you read through Mark's gospel, you go, geez, I thought I had it rough in my ministry location. Jesus had to work with these guys. But if we choose to walk on this path, to head in this direction, Jesus says, I'll meet you there. And there's things that are my responsibility when you head off in this direction. Now, at this point, just to launch this series, we're not going to do a whole lot more here. I want to say that if we want to learn from Jesus the direction he heads and how he gets there, that first step has to do with saying, I'm going to prioritize people. Now, what that says to me, if I'm in a ministry location, and we got people in this room because I know where so many of you are involved, inside and outside the local church. In the ministry situation you're in, that tells me if this is God's way of doing things, here's where I need to begin. I need to start praying, and praying with expectation. God, who are the people? Who are those people that you would bring along my path that I can take the initiative to say, can we walk in this together? Can we follow after Jesus together, maybe covenant together, to walk in this path and learn together? Or maybe some of us that are a little bit more gray on the top can say to some younger people, can you come along? I want to walk with you. Let's help. Let's learn some things together. But I want to lead in this. That's the process Jesus used in making disciples. That's worth making something that would say, for God, my priority is, that if that's where God wants me to start, that's something I need to be praying about. Our pastor in Nairobi, you've heard me use him for uh, uh, many illustrations before, a man named Oscar Moreu. I've watched him over the years, and it's interesting in just watching him that uh, this, this spiritual gift isn't listed in Scripture. But uh, in watching him, he seems to have this gift of just being able in a crowd of people to pick out folks that are, that later on becoming these highly influential and very important leaders. And I'm just watching him over the years and the folks that he has taken the initiative with to invite into a process of leadership development and discipleship and so on. He's got people all over the planet that have got started with this. And, you know, I've asked him before, I said, Oscar, what do you look for? What's going on? And, what I get, I mean, there's certain things that, you know, it isn't like he just goes, you know, some kind of, ooh, you know, thing and picks people out. Here's the deal. 
before he ever gets to the place of saying, ah, over there, somebody, I see that this is somebody God wants me to invest in. He's somebody I need to invite on this journey of walking towards Jesus and what Jesus wants to do in our life. Oscar's already prayed up. He understands that this is the way God gets purposes done. And so there's an expectation that God's going to bring people along. He's going to raise up people, and He will bring people to my attention. If this is the way God does what God does. So by the time He comes along and says the whole host of people I could name you, Steve Mina and Bob Kikuyu and a whole host of other people who have become very significant leaders among God's people, He's ready and anticipating and waiting because he understands this is how God works. So in the place God has put you, and looking around this room, I know God has put folks all over the place except for the folks on the East Coast who aren't here right now, but I know God's put them there too. There's a good place to start if we want to know where we're going and we actually want to get there. The place to start is a commitment to prayer and then to walk with eyes open and say, God, who are those people that you would have me invest in? Welcome into our home. Share meals together. We'll talk about over the next few weeks some additional steps along that process as we find them modeled by Jesus Christ. But the beginning point says, oh God, don't let me get, make the mistake of thinking that a full schedule of busyness, of doing a lot of stuff is a substitute for actually being go going where I should be going. If we don't know where we're going, we'll surely get there. It's true of ministry. Very, very true of ministry. The place to start is that decision to say, yes, there's other things I have to do, but first of all, I want to make a priority. You understand priority here. I'm not going to let the messiness of life, the messiness of life, the messiness of ministry get me distracted. I want to make a priority, because this I believe is God's way of doing things. I want to make a priority to select and choose a few people in whom God would have me invest myself. Let's pray together. Lord, there's a lot of reasons that we could get distracted just because there's so much to do. I've got homework, I've got to go to work, uh, there's a something about rain coming or whatever. There's all kinds of things that could just get us so distracted and make sure that we don't know where we're going and we get there. Help us to be a people who will make a commitment to say, yes, I will invest in people and I will actually have the courage to say, because this is about you and your purposes and what you're doing through me and through other people, that I can actually invite people to join me on this journey. The journey that Marx makes so clear right here at the outset, the journey is really following after you. May I have the courage, may I have the wisdom to step out boldly and to pray and then to walk with eyes open as you bring those people across the path, my path that you would have me to invest in now. In Jesus' name, amen.